Hi, and welcome to the Mikdash Within. This is Saratova Bess. This is a project of Ork Community. Today, the topic is a little bit controversial, so hang on tight. Um, here's the question. If you worked in a Japanese company, you're the only American, and you work in a Japanese company, let's say, and they have an unwritten standard. Nobody, it's not really written in the contract, but you see that they have a, a certain custom, which is not to speak at mealtime. Everybody sits in silence at mealtime. That's the way it is. Either it's an unwritten rule or really it's, a, you know, it's kind of a more formal rule. Here's the question. Would you break that rule? That doesn't happen to be your standard. When you're at home, you're chatting away every time you have a meal. But would you go and say, hey, how are you guys doing, and talk away when the whole community has this unwritten rule or written rule, we make sure to have silent meals. Would you violate their rule? Okay. Now, why am I asking that question? Um, today, somebody told me, and this is the controversial part, they told me that um, a group of girls showed up for a bonfire where they were, and it was already the three weeks, and it was you know, an Orthodox place and, you know, Orthodox people there. And the group, group of girls, um, probably the place where they were staying on Shabbos, um, they wouldn't be able to do this. So they came for a barbecue and first they played music and they were in front of the house that they were visiting in, visiting. And first they were playing music in the three weeks. And then after that, they were all, the girls were singing, and some were doing solos, and some were playing guitar for the solo to be accompanied to. So what's the issue with that? That's kind of like, let's take it out of the realm of being Jewish. The community has a certain standard, and you come along and you say, why should I respect that, that, why should I respect that standard? It's not my standard. So the question is, do you need to agree with a standard in order for you to respect it, respect that somebody else does it, or do you go ahead and violate it because you don't agree with it? Let's say chas v'shalom in this case. So what does this have to do with Beit HaMikdash? And what does it have to do with our struggling youth? So if we're looking at the walls around the base of Middash, I don't mean around the Harabites, the walls of the base of Middash. We said that you go on the, um, the left-hand wall and there were different gates. You go, you turn the corner, there's the gate, there's a wall right behind the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Kodesh Marabi, And then you turn again, you have the northern wall. And if you go from gate to gate to gate, the final gate on the northern side is the one that leads to the chamber of the hearth. What is this chamber of the heart? It's a large dome building that looms over both sides of the courtyard wall. Half of the building is in the courtyard and is considered Kaddish, sacred, like all the other parts of the base of Mesesh. The other half of this building is located outside the courtyard of the base of Mesesh and is not considered holy or sacred. So imagine a building with a dome, half of it, from the outside it looks like a building with a dome. 
but literally there's a delineation point. Half of it is within the holy, the holiness of the base of and the other half is not. And many restrictions apply to these areas, to the sacred areas. There are wooden marking posts jutting out of the walls that indicated to the Kohanim which side of the chamber they were standing on. Based on what was going on with the Kohen, whether he could be in a situation of Kedusha or outside of Kedusha, he knew exactly where to stand. And it was very exact. Stand here, don't stand there. You can be here, you cannot be there, etc. Very distinct rules. And really, the chamber of the heart hearth was given its name because of a large fire that was in the center of the building. Because throughout the day, the Kohanim would walk barefoot on the cold marble floor. And the big day kahuna were made of light fabrics, and they slept on stone slabs in this chamber. So there was a need for a fire kept to keep them, that was burning all the time, to keep them warm at night. But the focus here that I want to put, that I want to emphasize is that this is a building that really emphasizes the idea of rules. This yes, this no. Not everybody understands it. Not everybody relates to it. Not everybody who is not a, with, who is not Jewish, let's say, would want to adhere to it. They might say, well, you know, this is, come on, it's so random. You stand here and you stand there with posts, marking posts jutting out of the wall telling you what to do, when to do. So that's, that's the part about the base and dish. What is the part that we want to mention today very briefly? And again, remember I said it's controversial. One of the disturbing things we see among our youth, the ones that are struggling, it, well, almost all, the idea of what I said, you know, the lack of respect. Why did these girls have to come and they're dafka from girls and they have to sing in the three weeks playing guitar in a public place, go in the back of the house. There was the front of the house and there was the back of the house. If you're in the back of the house, probably no one will hear you. They had to go in the front yard of the house and everybody can hear and everybody's trying to fall asleep and these chassidish men, what's your, right? Okay, so you, maybe in camp, everybody things and it's okay but this is not camp and this is a public place it's not your turf so why are you doing it so one of the things and really we can assume they just didn't figure it out but one of the things that we see disturbing about our youth is that feeling of I don't have to respect the rules I don't agree with the rules so I don't have to respect them so where is it coming from and there's a lot of baggage that's built up about the idea of yeah, the yeshiva ruined me, and my parents ruined me, and, and, and they did this, and they did that, and uh, my mother dressed too sneistic, and my father went to shul too many times a day, and yeah, da, 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 da. And, and a lot of anger uh, against the rules, the halachas that we hold dear. And it's really painful. You know, we quote them all these stories about generations, thousands of years of generations. They, they were, gave their lives all Kiddush Hashem for the most exact detail of this halacha, and they're just trampling all over it. God forbid. No respect for it. And it's really hard to watch. So there are two. There, one question is, where does it come from? What is, what, what's their deal? And then, of course, what do we 
what we do about it, I can't promise you I have an answer. Well, okay, we'll, we'll give a semblance of an answer. So one of the things is, you take it for what, take it as you want. It really seems that this is a generation of very high, very delicate neshamas, very, very delicate neshamas. And most of those kids who are struggling now were the most pure, the most tenemistic, the most, you know, they gave you the most nachas when they were two and three years old, so pure, so sweet, right? And, and, and what happened? And a lot of those kids, if you speak to them, whether they're doing it consciously or not, they feel like, oh, you feel like we're violating your rules? We're tr- we feel like everybody violated our rules. And whether they're, and usually they're not conscious, but there's this unconscious need to, number one, pay back, and number two, alert the Jewish world to the fact that they feel that their sensibilities have been violated. Okay, God forbid there are some, you know, more difficult situations where people really um, got hurt by people they thought they were allowed to respect, supposed to respect. We're going to leave that one for now. But the simpler cases where people, the kids had regular lives, and they're still angry. Nobody hurt them. Nobody, you know, nobody, there wasn't any really ugly stuff that you could call the police about. That Just they felt like because they were such delicate, such high souls and such delicate souls, They couldn't tolerate what other generations could tolerate. Other generations could see contradictions, and no, you go further. So you, you grow up. And our generation, you see contradictions. Okay, so we, go, we keep on going. And somehow they're not able to. When they see contradictions, okay, it's over. And I have to, you know, when, we, when they feel like their pure understanding of, of Hashem and of Torah was tampered with, was taken lightly, was mocked, even in very subtle ways. You know, okay, when they see somebody, when they're so careful, Mommy, don't we have to look at every, don't we have to make sure that only, only, eat this way, and don't we have to say a bracha loud and clear, and then they see that somebody's eating or not. Whatever it is, there's a moment at which these delicate souls felt abandoned and broken and confused. And there was a moment when they said, okay, forget the whole thing. And there was a moment when, and all of this is unconscious, there was a moment when they felt okay, now it's payback time. Or let us alert them to the fact of what they did. And again, who's they? Well-meaning people like us? Well-meaning teachers, well-meaning principals, well-meaning parents and family and siblings? But the the delicateness, the fragile quality of these very high souls simply couldn't deal with the smallest contradiction. Kind of contradictions that, that 
are easy for us, just they couldn't deal with them. And hence, the anger about, again, we're saying sometimes there are really real reasons for anger, and sometimes there really was not so rarely some nasty violation, God forbid, but then often they're regular kids from regular homes. And we wonder, what did we do wrong? You know what? Take all your towels, your cotton towels, put them in the washing machine and put them in the dryer. No problem. Take your mink coat, put it in the washer and then put it in the dryer. Oh, well, that's the end of that. So we may be cotton towels generation and they're mink coats. And we can't treat them the way we treat ourselves. Who would have known? We thought if we're cotton towels, everybody's cotton towels. Everybody always was, and everybody always will be. I never thought of a mink coat sole, a mink coat neshama that's so delicate you can't wash it and you can't dry it. So ga'ula neshama. So what's to do? Again, I said I don't have a magical solution. But I think the understanding of what's going on, of where this is coming from, does a lot. It might be painful for us. Some people who are listening to this might now have a migraine, need to take a Tylenol, have a stomach ache, need to eat a chocolate bar, go for the cookies, decide that they want to go out for pizza. 50% of the people listening to this will now feel like, oh, I ruined my child. You didn't ruin your child. And it's not the end of the story. The end of the story will be, and they all live, Mashiach comes, and they all live happily ever after. That's going to be the end of the story. With, and who will be the leaders? The ones who are breaking, breaking the rules now. So you'll see. Call me up, please, then, and say, okay, you were right. Don't call me. <laughs> Whatever you want. But, I'm going to say, and I'm going to end with this, the essential being able to understand, these are not nasty little troublemaker kids that just want to anger us. There's a whole history to that. And even though it was quite annoying, you know, I guess we're feeling like the girls who were singing why didn't the people who invited them say, hey, you know, let's go to the back? It's not really fair to everybody else. But the essential understanding that there's a bigger, bigger story to this generation's rebellion is already the beginning of the healing for them. It's the beginning of a huge healing for them. Not even do we necessarily have to say it to them. I'll end with this story. I'll tell other parts of the story another time. But a woman who's now in her 50s said, way before she became a Balchuva, it's a long story, but let's just say that at some point she was at home, her mother was taking care of her, and there was one beep of the horn, and it was her friends, and she ran out, 
You know, she had been at home sick, and her mother was nursing her to help, and she ran out the door and ran in the car. And her mother screamed after her and said, oh, 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 for them, all of a sudden, you're healthy enough to get out of bed. I'm taking care of you, and all of a sudden, one beats of the horn, and you're out of, you're, you're, you're healthy enough to, to get up and run into the car. Oh, and her mother was really angry. And she thought at that moment, goodbye. When they take me home this evening, I'm taking my stuff and I'm moving out. And when she came back that night, her mother said, I guess you had a reason why it was important for you or felt important for you to get into the car with your friends at that point, even though it hurt me that I was nursing you back to health and one beep of the horn, and you jumped up. But I guess you had your reason, and I guess it was something important to you. She told us today, at that moment I decided, I'm staying home. She understands me. I'm staying here. And as a result of staying home, she ended up becoming from Baruch Hashem. Today she has Nice from family, children, grandchildren, and all of that. So maybe we can just end with that hachlata of realizing there's more to the story. They're delicate neshamas. They don't live in simple times. And surely, these leaders of the future will dance with us together in the third day of English. Please give me a call at 347-762- Seven seven zero eight three four seven seven six two seven seven zero eight for any coaching or healing or support. Thanks so much.